So, Paul, how are you doing? Are you, like uh, Van Hal's players, horny? Uh, look, that's a very upsetting. Apparently, this is all a translation issue. Um, I, I very much enjoyed Manchester United's last three performances. Very much indeed. You could say, after 11 goals in a week, it was sexy football. Since we last recorded, there have been, to coin a phrase, some absolute scenes involving Manchester United. Um, first of all... There was the hilarity, uh, the kind of depressing, ironic hilarity of the performance away in Denmark, uh, which very much kind of followed the pattern that you were talking about on the last podcast of a team that had lost its way, that no longer believed in its coach, that wasn't really giving its all. Uh, but that has not proved to be what happened with what followed. No. I mean, that was an abysmal performance, wasn't it, against Mitchell and away in Denmark? I'm properly, properly bad um, Michael Carrick came afterward, came out afterwards and said uh, it was unacceptable, unforgivable and, and United had to get better. Well, they got better, all right. And I, I suppose you could say that in beating Shrewsbury and Michelin, scoring eight goals, they're playing two uh, pretty mediocre sides. But then to go and beat Arsenal, um, albeit a side that are perennial bottlers, <laughs> um, but you know, one, one that has been flying in the Premier League uh, to beat them, in the manner that United did, in an open attacking manner, end-to-end game, it was just been fantastic. Um, it's, it feels like a team transformed. Um, not coincidentally, uh, when Ro- Wayne Rooney is out of the team, I, I might add, just to get in a little dig there. But not just Rooney, right? There, there's a whole bunch of stuff that had to happen to make this happen. And it really has been a case of two things. The kids... I mean, we'll talk a lot about that this episode because, I mean, I get a bit emotional thinking about it, man. Marcus Rashford, the story, the incredible story. There's been the emergence of Memphis, which I think is not unrelated to um, Rooney's absence and indeed Martial's absence, because I think he was emboldened by that in a way and probably emboldened by Andre Romare's complete inability to deal with him. And then the fact that the midfield, he's had to pick an attacking, an attack-minded pair in midfield because Carrick's been forced to do, play in defence. No, here's the question. I mean, you know, he won't save Van Hal's job, but it might just save Van Hal's season. He, he keeps moaning about the, the amount of injuries. And look, you know, 14 or 15 injuries is a lot. But but it, this might be the best thing that has happened to Van Hal in his 18 months at United. Well, the best thing since the last time injuries and suspensions forced him to radically rethink the team. Yeah, and that's the thing that really worries me, because when everyone is back, Fellaini and Rooney are back in the team, aren't they? I, I suspect not Fellaini's case. I suspect not, but it'll be fascinating to see what he does when Rooney comes back. But it looks like that's going to be very much the tail end of the season. Yeah, it does, yeah. So we mentioned Michelin away, M- Michelin at home, and you mentioned Andre Romare. Now, let's just have a moment's silence for the lad because yeah, when you've poor, died on the pitch that badly... The, the poor kid. It deserves some respect. OK, all right. Just that, just that much respect. But I, I want to talk about... Um, he actually made seven tackles in the game. Uh, it's the 57 other times that uh, Memphis skipped past him that absolutely ruined him. Uh, Memphis completed 15 out of 19 dribbles. Romare uh, was dribbled past 11 times. 11 times! I have I have legitimately never seen that statistic before. I mean, it's the kind of thing that makes you rethink your life, let alone your <laughs> career. So, so the thing I really wanted to talk about was the perfect Meg trick, right? So th- this, was, this, this was three times that Memphis megged him. One was a standard make, second one was a Rabona make, and the third, the coup de grace, was a backhill make. Just <laughs> awesome. The perfect Meg trick. That is amazing. So to take this in chronological order, Michelin had us all thoroughly depressed and thoroughly LVG out, and his behaviour after the game was just classic, whiny Van Gogh when things aren't going his way, blamed the law of Murphy. Um, which, fair enough, De Gea was injured in the warm-up, but um, that that really seemed to shake the whole team. Uh, and as was... De- I mean, Michelin played OK, and they were pretty well organised, and they were dangerous on the counter, but, boy, did United make them look dangerous on the counter. Well, exactly, and actually Romero had a very good game. Yeah. It could have been more embarrassing, but for a few saves that he made, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, United actually started reasonably brightly, didn't they? And... And it was just uh, the last, what, uh, 89 minutes of the game that they were terrible? No, less than that. But um, it really got worse, especially in the second half. Mm. 
And, and look, this is a team not of amateurs, but of players that wouldn't make it at, at top clubs anywhere else in Europe. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're a pretty unique team and they were very well drilled. But And in fact, the big threat was supposed to be on set pieces. United kept giving away set pieces as well because they were so under the cosh. But then we kind of had the perfect opponents to bounce back from that, right? Because Shrewsbury, 21st in League Two, in League One, sorry, by the time we played them. Uh, and they looked it. They they just offered nothing. But it was a real chance for United to get some confidence back. And Mata was absolutely brilliant. Eight key passes. I mean, okay, quality of the opposition is very low, but United have really struggled against a lot of opposition this season. It was just a funk and no, nothing to write home about, nothing to get excited about, but just a good, solid confidence building win. It was, yeah. I mean, I do wonder whether if Shrewsbury had... Uh you know, attempted to take the game to United a bit more, whether they would have got some luck. Who knows? I mean, I guess it's perfectly sensible enough to think that um, an underconfident United could be held at bay and and going for a replay was fair enough by packing men behind the ball. Uh, They just didn't really give United any trouble and, and, you know, stood off and and United were able to pick them apart and especially matter. And what was kind of interesting is... You know, all season long, teams have been getting a ton of joy by sitting really deep and defending really deep against United. But because of those injuries, it it forced Van Gaal to restructure the team into one that was actually designed to get through the lines, to break down using those clever passes. Like having Herrera and Mata right in the heart of the action was absolutely crucial. Herrera had been abysmal in Midtjylland as a, as a Mata in Denmark, but they, they both really came into their own against Shrewsbury, which is nothing, but... But you've got a great balance to the team there. You've got Herrera, who's able to push forward, Schneidlin, who will cover if needed, but had plenty of energy. You've got a, you know, an actual number 10, tons of pace on the wing, and Marshall up front is a, a great number nine. You know, that's, that's a, just a great balance team. And and, and Verea and, and Borthwick-Jackson both bombed on from the full-back positions as well. Yeah, and uh, the Van Gaal uh, debut train continued with Joe Riley coming on at halftime in that game. And then he started, didn't he, against Michelin at home, where Riley and Ferreira were both absolutely superb. We've played so many left-backs this season. Right, so I think it is Shaw, Blint, Rojo, Borthwick-Jackson, Damian, uh, Riley, Fosumensa now as well. Uh, Yanazai played there for 10 minutes in a game. Ashley Young. Uh, have I missed anyone? I'm sure Wayne Rooney did a stint there at some point, didn't he? <laughs> That's nine left-backs. We've definitely never played nine left-backs in a season before. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, unfortunate injuries and, and some tinkering going along there. Now, and, of course, we're forgetting Tyler Blackett, who's, who's not played this season, but he's at Celtic on loan. So he'll be coming back, I guess, in the summer and be another option there. And, and Marcus Rocco, did we did we mention him? Uh, I said him. I said Marcus Rocco. So, yeah, Shrewsbury was a, a really comfortable win. Uh, we finally picked the right sort of team to break down a, a, a lower quality, deep-lying, narrow-defending opposition. The team's balance looked right. Uh, and because of the injury crisis, Van Gaal wasn't able to mess with it too much. And we got Michelin at home. By half-time, it looked like uh, we'd just hit the post, missed the penalty... They'd scored first and it, it didn't look particularly difficult for them to score against us. Starting to get really worried by half-time in that game. I think I tweeted, I'm not sure this is our day. Well, yeah, and uh, it didn't look like it for quite a long time. So four, four goals in the last half hour or so. Less than half hour, in fact. And um, I guess that put a flattering spin on it. But, you know, United actually did make something like 25 chances in the game, 15 shots on target, something like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which is just you know, completely unheard of for a Van Hal side. So ran riot again. Matter was pretty good. Rashford, obviously, a dream debut. I guess there are lots more to talk about with him, but a couple of goals there. Uh, Depay, absolutely magnificent. We've mentioned a very good central midfield axis, Schneidlin and Herrera. It just uh, it clicked again. Again, balance, you know, not just too defensive. Just feel, feels like with Herrera in a sort of number eight role. Feels like that's a more natural role for him than the number 10 role. And it's so nice to be talking about this after the Arsenal game rather than speculating on what it means for a team against a theoretically a proper team because it worked again against a proper team because Michelin didn't offer anything in that second half. And you say we've talked about Memphis and we have, but it definitely warrants a, a word or two more. 
a, a genuinely magnificent performance. And you can only beat who's in front of you, right? But he struggled plenty against opposition that week before. before, And you could see in the Arsenal game how much confidence he'd taken because it wasn't just that he played well, it was that he ran the show. He was the main man on the pitch. He was, you know, the Man United number seven he was signed to be. I'm sure he'll have plenty of bad games to come, but it was... It was real evidence of the vast level of talent that he's got. Right. I've never been so close to crying after a match as I was today, said uh, Roma after the game. Memphis is the best player I've ever faced. That poor it's kid. It's difficult to do anything about it. Well, and, you know, very true. Um, I'd have had a cry after that as well, I think. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Skinned 11 times and got sent off. I mean, it was probably mercifully got sent off, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Never, never as a sending off more been just like, oh... Don't want to do this anymore. This is rubbish. Football. Who whose idea was it to become a footballer anyway? Yeah. Well, look. Um, afterwards, Van Hal said that he, you know, he, he called Memphis out. Said it's a magnificent performance. Said he really hopes this is a new beginning for him. I mean, is it? It could be because he was pretty good against Arsenal as well. I hope from the bottom of my heart, said Van Gaal, in that way uh, that still uh, I, I still find part of him really endearing, even though he's done a ton of things which have really wound me up in the last week but yeah you know after Van Gaal hit the deck doing the comedy bit on the sideline um Memphis did a took the ball out of the sky with a flying back heel and beat a man and it was just like wow he he really has taken that performance um and and grown into his position and and I do think so first of all um a friend of the show at Machine Gun quite often uh, we chat about Memphis and his theory is that Memphis really benefits from having a mobile centre forward so having Rooney there is a real problem for Memphis because the defenders are just free to give him all their attention basically because Rooney isn't stretching play but also the fact that Martial was out meant that Memphis just had to be the big man. And you can see he's got that in his personality. Um, and that that's not a bad thing, you know, to to want to be the star kind of thing. Of course, he has to prove that he can do that when the other stars are around too. But I think I think that might have helped him a bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I guess he's got a bit of an ego on him. You can kind of tell that because of his uh, lifestyle choices and stuff like that. And and maybe being the big fish in the big pond is now suiting him. But but you know, he's also got to get used to the fact that United is a, is a really big club, and there are, should be more stars in the team than there are currently. Presumably, after the summer, there will be as well. So. Um, I, 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 I feel a bit reticent to go overboard, but um, he had a great game against Mitchell and not a bad game against Arsenal, a very different type of game. Of course, United didn't have a lot of possession, um, but he did a lot of good things anyway. Maybe it's a new start. Hopefully so. And the two fullbacks uh, against Mitchell and absolutely superb. Varela, rampant and Riley really impressive as well. Didn't have much to do defensively. I understand that... Riley is not necessarily a left back by trade. Neither is Fossi Mensah. No, absolutely. Uh, Fossi Mensah, a uh, left back, centre back, right back, defensive midfielder. He is. He can play anywhere. Right footed. Uh, but yeah, uh, did, did all right when he came on. Oh, that is. Wow. That is stingy. I thought he did a couple of extremely impressive bits of work. There was, there was one point where he gave the ball away in a slightly dangerous area, but that was just after he'd done an absolutely brilliant tackle to break up a counter-attack. Yeah, if uh, if there are any more injuries, we'll have to not dip into the under-18s, but the under-14s or something. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the, the players now, Rashford and, and Fossi Mentor, have barely played for the under-21s. Uh, they are not exactly established there. And um, I guess... Given all the doubts about United's academy, maybe things aren't quite as bad as we thought. No, absolutely. There's obviously a huge amount of talent there. Um, Nicky Butt's been appointed as the director of the academy, right? The old Brian McClare job. He has, yeah, which is was pretty weird, uh, given that um, the, the word on the street was that he definitely wasn't first choice. Um, and he's been at the club for the last 10 months. So if he was first choice, it wouldn't have been hard to appoint him, right? Um, but uh, but hey, look, it's great. One of our own, uh, many clubs around Europe do this by Munich, Ajax and so on. I think it's a, a great appointment. I hope he goes on to prove that they shouldn't have given him the job full time almost a year ago. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's, there's the kind of cynical take which says that well, actually United are in a bit of a circus and they couldn't attract their first choice 
um, candidates. And the other thing is maybe he's just been impressing while he's been doing the job, you know? Maybe maybe he's caught some people's eyes. Or, or to get even more cynical, he, he wasn't the first choice, but hey, he's cheap, so... <laughs> and uh, quote-unquote, the Glazers uh, don't see the Academy as value for money. Uh, apparently not, but they, uh, they sure do now, right? Because um, Rashford's debut against Micheland was... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wrote something for you, Max, after the game about the sheer joy of that game. The kind of like, okay, so if United's cycle at the top is over, well, it's a real shame that it's been killed by mismanagement and corporate greed. But there's still loads of joy to be found in in a game like that because there's it's nothing opposition in a competition that doesn't really matter that that much or or that this that game isn't going to make much difference to that whether that game's 5-1 or or 3-1 doesn't make a difference you know but there was something about the combination of like just this Memphis's amazing performance Herrera's wonderful penalty after all the stick he's taken recently but and then just Rashford jumping into the crowd in the south stand on the other side of the tunnel from the Stretford end he did that with his first celebration in a kind of instinctive manner and then he found himself running in that direction again and you could see the thought on his face of like oh I better not jump in the crowd again oh what the hell I'm gonna jump in the crowd again you know it was amazing yeah some interesting press afterwards uh, Rashford from a a boys club in the south of Manchester where uh, Borthwick Jackson and Danny Welbeck and a few others have uh, also played. Wesley Brown, I believe, as Wesley well. Wesley Brown, yeah, suggestion that United should stump up the money to save the club. Yeah. Should they? I, I have no real opinion about that. I didn't know that they were in trouble financially. How about how about Danny Welbeck stumps up the money to save the club? I, I'm picking on him because he's a, he's a traitor who betrayed us, so should be punished in some Danny way. Danny who? No idea who this fella is. Uh, it was in- invisible enough in the second half, wasn't he? Eh? He was playing. Prah. He was never any good. He scored a goal, I remember. <laughs> yeah, but Rashford, I mean, how did you feel watching Rashford? You've seen a lot of United players come through the ranks and make their debuts. How did that one get you? Well, it was pretty special, wasn't it? Um, so uh, I've had uh, Marcus Rashford as my... Um, my prediction of Academy Player of the Year two years in a row now. Right. I was just going to do it every year until he actually won it <laughs> or, or was in the first team. He's going to be the actual Man United Player of the Year at this rate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after two games. Well, you know, he's got a 400% strike rate or something, doesn't he? But <laughs> look, he's always been talented. He hasn't always played as a striker. Played right across the, the front line, often in a slightly deeper position. But uh, he's he's got loads. He's got pace. He's obvi- obviously very composed I think uh, that the fact that he's willing to take on players nearly won himself penalty today, didn't he? It just bodes great, you know. I think he's got bags of talent. Of course, there's players with bags of talent that haven't made it at United before. Players with bags of talent who came on for Marcus Rashford, who it seems like might, won't make it at United either. So, um, long way for the lad to go to actually make it. Danny Welbeck in the other team should be a lesson for him. Yeah, you might only end up at a team above us in the league who've just played Barcelona in the Champions League rather than Michelin in the Europa League. Oh, a salutary lesson there. Yep. If you were betting right now, who do you think will win the league first, Arsenal or United? I think the problem with that bet is, I, I think that bet changes hugely at the end of this season because I do think they've still got a, a pretty good chance to win the league this season. And I think they they would still be favourites, but the sheer capacity that team has to throw the whole thing away is unbelievable. Like, is Arsene Wenger just a massive fraud? That's my least favourite word in football. But, like, it's unbelievable how his team is the same all the time. All the time. Arsenal have to go to Tottenham, they have to go to Everton, they have to go to West Ham. Uh, they've got a game, uh, well, a game at Sunderland. That's definitely a banana skin for them. Imagine that, four games before the end of the season. Yeah, Sunderland desperately needing a win. Uh, Big Sam will get them to boot Arsenal around the uh, the pitch and they'll probably win, won't they? They've got to play Manchester City. Um, and then already relegated Aston Villa will go to the Emirates on the final day of the season and win. So what you're saying is, like, Arsenal are going to finish seventh and we're going to finish fourth. No, we're going to finish about tenth. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that now. We're back. You know, yeah, no, back. Good, good job, actually, because uh, if we'd lost today, 
um, uh, Liverpool, Watford, Stoke and Southampton would all be within three points. So <laughs> Grim. But, uh, it was getting a bit squeaky bum time for even qualifying for the Europa League. Uh, but we made it through to the next round of the Europa League where we will face a, a, a veritable European adventure for those hardy Reds who travel home and away um, with United, uh, a new ground for them. Oh no! Wait a minute. It's the nearest city. Well, I, I know I do know some Reds who like doing Euro ways to to slightly dodgy territories. You know, hoping for a bit of trouble. So uh, Scousland is uh, perfect for that. Yeah, it's going to be a tasty draw. The, the hilarious kind of Europa League. Like the club must be so happy from a revenue perspective, much like let's save loads of costs on travel and like, oh, suddenly this Europa League tie where they'd have had 20,000 empty seats is in fact a massive sellout oversubscribed. Weird that, weird. Yeah, yeah, weird that. They didn't, uh, they didn't do what Liverpool have done and bump the prices up by 50%. Yeah, I almost said um, credit to the Glazers for not ripping the fans off again, uh, but that's not quite right, is it? Uh, I guess they've eschewed the chance for a commercial opportunity for once um, but they'll have a sell out and and uh, everyone will be happy with that I suppose uh, yeah absolutely and it's a, a like incredibly exciting tie it's also this is the kind of thing that can come back to haunt you it's also one of the more winnable ties like obviously it's got the derby energy to it and and that's a bit of a problem but like they're not in the top five best teams in the draw are they no they're not I mean Look down the draw, 16 very good sides in the Europa League. It's a very high-quality competition this year. Um, and I, I suppose if you've been a real cynic, United got one of the easier draws. Liverpool might also be saying the same thing, of course. <laughs> very much so, um, yes. Very yeah. true. So it should be very, very, very tasty on a Thursday night. Uh, perhaps a bit tasty for the police. Uh, yeah, and of course one of those is going to be at six o'clock as well because the Europa League is super weird. Um, See, it's o'clock on a Thursday, but uh, there'll be plenty of Reds uh, in the pub by 9am. Yes. No no, uh, no trouble there. Yeah, it's uh, it actually leaves United with an interesting fixture list coming up. So, um, obviously, games against uh, West Brom coming up and West Ham in the FA Cup, twice against Liverpool and Manchester City before the end of March. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, an exciting month for sure. But the Arsenal game definitely gives us heart. I, I, the key to that game... Apart from Arsenal being Arsenal, I think everyone in that team gets at least a 7 out of 10. Maybe you would say Carrick gets a 6 out of 10. Pretty bad for both goals. It was also absolutely terrible for Michelin's goal, by the way, at Old Trafford. Ian Dark on the commentary for the Michelin game says, said, oh, whenever Carrick's been asked to deputise at centre-back, he's looked quite comfortable. I'm like... Have you ever seen him play at centre-back? I have never, ever seen Michael Carrick look comfortable at centre-back. No, he's even less comfortable than Daily Blint, and that's saying something. Oh, that is outrageous! (laughs) That is just pure prejudice. No, no, it's really not, actually. He makes quite a few mistakes as a centre-back, and... and, um... You know, he for all his comfort on the ball and um, sometimes decent performances, he also makes mistakes. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly gets in the wrong position too many times. Um, if you could get a world-class central defender or Daley Blint, which would you pick? It's not a hard choice. No, because Daley Blint is a world-class central defender. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Johnny Evans both. So... Um, well, that's, that's, that's wrapped up four games. We haven't no. got much to talk about now. Michelin, terrible. Michelin, very, very good. Shrewsbury, very, very good. Arsenal, very different performance. Not very much possession. Also very, very good. It, things are looking up. We haven't really talked about the Arsenal game, actually, have we? United raced out into a 2-0 lead. I mean, there was that very shaky moment early on when um, Ozil put Montreal in on Carrick's side. Uh, De Gea just making a kind of standard save. Uh, for him nice to have him back so quickly nice that that wasn't a long one even though Romero did make those great saves in Denmark it's good to have Dave back right I thought the fullbacks both did really well in the first half and then Fosu Mensah did really well in the second half Schneidlin and Herrera were just absolutely brilliant weren't they and that one of the best midfield performances of the season from United from a very low base here but um, look it's the right pairing isn't it uh, yeah, Michael Carrick, unfortunately, his career is on a, a downtick now. He'll be 35 soon, not a surprise. Fellaini is just just Fellaini uh, and very bad. Um, Herrera is, is he's a, like an eight point something, isn't he? You know, but eight, I think, is his uh, better position in this formation. And, and Schneiderlin gets around. Uh, 
you know, the only risk with Schneiderlin is he doesn't always cover the runners going past him. Uh, today, there weren't really that many and he had a, a very good performance. So um, gave United a lot of protection. Arsenal obviously had a lot of the ball and United actually, for um, for all that possession Arsenal had, there weren't that many heart and mouth moments, were they? Montreal save from De Gea, you said, but um, that's just standard for Dave. Um, not too many others where uh, we were desperate to um, to clear it out. No, except for the fact that when we went 2-0 up, we instantly went 2-1 down. And then when we were in 3-1 up, we instantly went 3-2, uh, not 2-1 down, but we, we conceded straight away and made the difference one goal twice, which was really a bit scary. So it was a very stupid free kick to, to give away for Arsenal's first goal, definitely. And uh, no one marked um, uh, big Danny Welbeck. Uh, still not I, I like it's getting a little bit better that today helped today definitely helped but i still there's definitely still part of me that's like oh danny well look, i didn't have a problem after you went mental celebrating after he scored against us last time this time it was all a bit muted uh, yeah that's not acceptable i don't want him trying to show some respect to the old traffic crowd he he'd he'd seen himself in an arsenal shirt and and loved scoring for them yeah fair enough um, that, that was enough for you, me you're a, you're a cold-hearted man ed you can you can move on and let go quickly i i Danny, I'll always have. I will always have a soft spot for Danny Welbeck. It's impossible not to. But it was a bit annoying when he scored, especially. But it was quite nice as well. That half time, it's two one to United. All the goals scored by United had academy centre forwards. Like, like literally, all the goals in that game scored by people from the same uh, junior football club. <laughs> yeah, in, indeed. So let's talk about Mar- Marcus Rashford. Um, wow. Coolly taken first goal. I mean, obviously Czech got a hand on it, but you know he's uh, he's not panicked there. A lot of young players would have panicked there. Very fine header for the second after a nice piece of work from uh, Jesse Lingard. Had a, another good game, Lingard. I thought on the break, uh, always loads of energy in production. Um, yeah, uh, just just looks like a natural finisher. Pace, movement. I think it really helps Juan Mata when there's someone with movement ahead of him. Yeah, um, and Memphis. So, with 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 Marshall brilliant and Rashford looking like he deserves a place in the uh, the first team picture, how exactly does Wayne Rooney get back in the team? I mean, if if Van Gaal just brings Rooney straight back in the team, that's kind of a disgrace, really. Really, Rooney should just be a kind of backup for the rest of the season now. Uh, big, not and that's not my anti Wayne Rooney tirade. Uh, th- that's just the fact that Rooney takes a long time to come back from injury, and there's just no need. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe Martial and Rashford will dip off in form dramatically between now and the end of the season. And actually, it'll be really helpful to have the kind of old, wise, shrewd head as we're battling for that glorious fourth place trophy uh, come the end of the season. But but there's no reason right now, if Rooney was fit next week, it'd be madness to play him. Yeah, he won't be. I mean, there's reports today that he may even need an operation on that that knee. So it uh, could could well be out for some time and, and threaten his place at the Euros because he was certainly going to light up the Euros given his form this season. Anyway. So we've got loads of rank cast questions about Rashford. Uh, does Rashford's impact mean the end for the likes of Wilson and Keane at United, says at Stephen DR91? No, not necessarily. Although, I mean, I think given Will Keane's last few years, uh, a move away to a championship club would make a lot of sense for him. Wilson... I mean, it's it's hard for him, right? So uh, Martial and uh, Rashford have come in and, and had such an impact. It doesn't seem like he's got the the real faith of Van Gaal. Maybe he'll need to move in the summer too. Uh, yeah, or maybe it will be a question of Martial, Wilson and Rashford are three centre-forwards for a little while to come. At Machine Gun says, is Marcus Rashford loads better than Cristiano Ronaldo or just slightly better? He definitely gives more endearing post-match interviews, that's for sure. Well, yeah. So if Marcus Rashford was in the Real Madrid side, perhaps they'd be top of La Liga. <laughs> is Marcus Rashford the greatest player in United history? Asks Corey Chuhan. Well, he's definitely up there when it comes to uh, most consistent players in United's history, isn't he? Just look at his strike rate. I mean, yeah, just retire now, mate. <laughs> As everyone said, 122 minutes to equal Radamel Falcao's total goal tally at Man United. Um, at Match the Dan says, should Rashford be president of the world? Yes or definitely? Uh, might be a bit much pressure, but I'll go with definitely. I thought it was... a. Uh, a really interesting game and and 
in a way, it was quite a vindication for Van Gaal because he didn't do what everyone wanted him to do against Arsenal, which is like just rough him up a bit and hit him on the break. He did kind of play it his way to a certain extent. But what? how much possession did United have? I, I haven't looked at the data. 39%. Oh, wow. See, that's that's another game where our, our better football has come when we haven't got the ball. You know, in a way, you'd say, well, some credit to Van Hal here. We've given him so much criticism this season. He's mixed it up when United really needed to. The, the cynical part of me says that he had no choice. Um, and it's the players that have shifted the system, not Van Hal. He's responded well to crisis, Van Gaal has, which he's done all the way through his time in United, actually. But the problem is plan A is so terrible. At Ryan Dino 7 says, who will beat Sir Bobby's record first, Rooney or Rashford? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look, look. Now, I'm not saying I want this to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there is a narrative in which Rooney doesn't really get back fit towards the end of the season, doesn't beat the record this season, and isn't really in the team next year. I mean, uh, Chinese Super Club comes along with some, you know, fifty million pound offer. You'd bite the hands off. And I think actually one of the ways he got lucky, Van Gaal, this this game was having Rashford up against those Arsenal centre backs. He kind of would have worked with Martial as well, right? That they're not great against little nippy, pacey attackers. Are you saying they're not so mobile? Exactly. Well, Mertesacker, right? That's built like a tank, turns like a tank. Yeah, and and. Arsenal are also in terrible form. They've scored six goals in their last eight games. And one of those games you kind of have to write off because it doesn't count because it was against Barcelona. But they're, they've not been playing well and they are, they're just so Arsenal. It's just incredible how Arsenal they are. Well, the thing is, you know, they b- before the two cup games, uh, draw with Hull and the loss to Barcelona, they, they did actually beat Leicester. And you thought, well, maybe that's a really pivotal moment in the season. Yeah. This is um, you know, a really late winner. Pretty fortunate to beat Leicester as well, yep. I'd say. Um, but it, it just felt like one of those things that had turned and, and that was Leicester's moment gone. And this is Arsenal on for a first league title in more than a decade. But no, they're back to Arsenal again. And that's the thing. As good as United were today, Arsenal were just so very Arsenal. And that's not in a good way, you know. Uh, and I think they reflect their manager, weak uh, serial loser, as Jose put it. Uh, there was a moment where it looked like there was going to be a fight. <laughs> it was like they were trying; they were doing like a tribute act to Man United and Arsenal. Like neither of these teams are fit to carry the name of the club that they represent. They're like doing a tribute act, pretending to be Keanu Vieira. Ramsey pushed Herrera over, which was, you know, I had to say, putting his hands in his face. It's quite a few refs would have pulled out a red there. I mean, you know, it was. Not particularly serious, was it? Uh, I think Keenan Vieira would have laughed at that if uh, a red card had actually been pulled out. But but still, yeah, lucky boy Ramsey for a for a moment there. But yes, you're right. N- nothing, not a patch on on Keown and Van Nistelrooy and Keenan Vieira or Winterburn and and um, Dennis Irwin all those years ago. Awate pointing out to me that Juan Mata, tiny little terrier that he is, straight in Ramsey's face after he went and hurt Herrera. Don't you hurt my friend! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a really, really fun game, uh, making it two really, really fun and three at least fun games in a row. We'll do a little preview of the Watford game but I'm not sure how long before the Watford game this podcast will come out we just wanted to make sure we got one out this week because it's been a while so we do some Twitter questions we've got so many I'm sorry if we don't get to yours we've got quite literally hundreds of Twitter questions this week or at least 100 at least 50 it's a lot that's what I'm saying this is a really interesting question at that James boy says uh, forget Rooney getting back in will Martial get back in uh, which is kind of an interesting question because obviously he will, but you definitely don't want to displace Memphis and you don't want to displace Rashford either, do you? What about a 4-3-3 with the three of them up front and give Lingard a rest? That'd be a bit tasty. Yeah, look, I mean, um, let's let's um, let's calm down just a little, right? So Marcus Rashford's had two games um, and it could go anywhere from here. This might be the only two games he ever scores in. For United, I mean, you know, uh, someone else asked on Twitter, "Is he uh, is he uh, Machado two point zero, or Andy Cole two point zero? Was the question? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I hope he's got more talent than that, and he applies himself better than 
uh, Machete did. But, uh, you know, we'll see. So let's not go overboard. Uh, Martial's just... Um, he he should be in the side every week uh, unless he needs a rest. All right, so lots of questions on a kind of similar theme. At Joe Greeny says, does Van Gaal get attacking football now? And this is the problem with this situation is that, again, it's happened by default. And I don't think I'd back United to be... I'd have been surprised if United didn't have any peaks between like last week and the end of the season. But I'm also going to be surprised if we sustain this peak because that's never happened under Van Gaal. And if he does sustain it, then we can have a different conversation about him in the future. Fully agree there. I mean, it's like having that conversation about uh, Weiser when he was in his purple patch. You, you knew it was going to end, um, this time by injury, but it always does. Um, Van Gaal, I mean, uh, what's our longest run of great football? Four games. Four games, right? So we've got one more game coming up and then uh, West Brom will beat us next <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's like the Hawthorns. They're in they're in good form. Yeah. So um, I mean, look, it's um, it's a tough one. We, it's really hard. I mean, everyone feels great because uh, they've scored eleven goals in a week. Won three very important games uh, through to the next uh, round of two cup competitions and back in the hunt for fourth place in the Champions League and beat Arsenal. You know, You've got to feel great about that, and uh, you don't want to feel cynical about it. But 18 months of Van Gaal have upped the cynicism level quite high, haven't they? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it's at the point where he has to prove that this is the real United, not the one he served us up for all, almost all of his time in Manchester. And he has to prove that his plan A can be good, not, not just his plan Z, you know. Now, I'll tell you what was good. Van Hal's diving. Uh, at Jeff Peckar 17 saying, should Mike Dean have been sent off for the terrible challenge on LVG? I mean, that's the Van Gaal we thought we'd get, right? Loads of kids in the team, loads of free-flowing, nice attacking football movements and crazy touchline antics. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was right as well, actually. Alexis was throwing himself all over the place. I'm really sorry. I can't find the person that this question is from. It's one of my favourite rank cast questions of all time, though. And it says, is the problem with Van Gaal's communication that he can only communicate through mime? <laughs> well, I mean, yes, maybe. Maybe that would be a better way of doing it. Uh, he was particularly antagonistic in his, uh, in his presser, I thought. I mean, I know he always is, but uh, just... Just really wound me up. The pre-match one. The pre-match one, yeah. He's basically lying. He was basically... It was so dishonest of purpose, it was essentially lying. And it's amazing how effective it was on uh, at mobilising fans on his side. Because as soon as you say to United fans, oh, this the media are out to get United, they're much nicer to City, all the United fans are like, yeah, yeah, you're right, they are. <laughs> Such nonsense. Well, he, he so, said... Um, he said something along the lines of um, losing at Sunderland uh, wasn't as bad as the media is making it out to be. <laughs> no, it was every bit as bad. In fact, worse. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. The um, he, he sort of st- he was asked about United's inconsistency, and he said, "No, it's you who is inconsistent." <laughs> it's like, are you a child? You're a grown man. No, that's right. If he'd replied to um, uh, to Neil Custis with your mum, <laughs> exactly, it would have been as grown up. He basically did. But you know, he was saying. Um, he said, "Why haven't Manchester City got a lot of criticism for their losing five one to Chelsea?" And the journalist said, "Well, it was kind of people would say that's a second team." And he says, "What have I just put out with a second team?" And it's like, "Well, your second team's better than your first team because you make terrible decisions." <laughs> you know. And actually, I, I haven't read a ton of paper coverage, but I don't think I've listened to a podcast about football that hasn't been incredibly critical of Pellegrini for chucking the FA Cup. You know, so I, I just think it is it's deflective nonsense on Van Gaal's part. It is. And the, that question about mime came from at Graham Lavery. So credit where it is most definitely due here's another question who i uh i can't quite find who uh who asked this one but um it's one for you i think paul is marcus rashford that guy <laughs> yeah fine i'm kind of reluctant to embrace that as a concept because like last time that went so terribly wrong but sure yeah i mean in terms of the literal meaning he definitely is that guy what an incredible story the last week has been for that kid timo bevan that was on twitter yeah incredible story um 
the best story since Martial scored twice on his debut. <laughs> Just once. Just once, but it was a goal that should have counted for two goals. Timo Bevan, by the way, definite friend of the rank car status, has been listening to our podcast for a very long time. Uh, thank you to everyone who asked us questions. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them. They have a very high calibre. Um, much like Man United's performance, will we put together a high calibre performance against the Hornets on Wednesday night? That's at Old Trafford. Yeah. Um, Wofford, who've, um, you know... They- Weird, weird side. So they went on this run of sort of five wins in a row, didn't they? Uh, and then lost four in a row and, and sort of been up and down this season. I guess, as you'd expect, I guess they're overperforming really as a promoted side. For sure. Yeah. And uh, sort of mid-table, they should be safe this season. In Troy Deeney, they've got something of a battering ram up front. He'll give uh, Daley Blint and Michael Carrick a game or two, won't he? Um, so uh, you don't quite know what to expect from them, but it's definitely going to be a, an interesting game. I guess it's one of those classic ones that we'd be worried about not three games ago. Igalo's fit and... You say Dini, they have a kind of battering ram, and they do, and he's perfectly offset. There's a, they are a real strike partnership, and and that'll be what's kept Watford up in the division by the end of the season. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season, they're not going to go down, are they? Probably uh, take a real freak run of results for that to happen. Igalo looks absolutely superb, kind of a revelation. This is, he, he was briefly in Serie A, but then he played lower league football in Spain for a bit because of the the Pozzo's weird ownership situation. Uh, a very, very fine player indeed was was impressive at Vicarage Road against United, where that was when Bastian Schweinsteiger earned us a vital point and three points at the end of the game with his tremendous... That was like, I think we didn't win a game for about a million years after that one. Very true, yeah. Bastian Schweinsteiger, who's now looking expensive at £7 million. Pounds. <laughs> It was always going to be likely that he'd have a spell out with injury, wouldn't it? Wasn't well, it? Well, it always was. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, Nigalo's been great. Yeah, cheeky bid in the summer, perhaps. Uh, the, the thing is, you know, with a new TV deal in coming in, you can't buy players from English clubs anymore. We don't need to anyway. We don't never need to buy a player again, Ed. It's like kids all the way from here on out. We might ha- have to because. Uh, after June the 23rd, if the uh, British people vote for Brexit, we, we won't actually be able to buy any players <laughs> from anywhere around the world. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, let's, let's not get into that. Yeah, politics let's not, is real not bad get you shoving moment. your left-wing politics again, Paul. <laughs> my left-wing politics. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about United's left-wing, which is, is now looking pretty good. Uh, it should be enough for Watford. I, you know, I... I um, I guess we're all on a bit of a roller coaster this this week. You know, we we normally we spend uh, an hour of podcast bemoaning United's performances and then predict a, a fabulous win at the end of the uh, at the end of the pod. This time we we can spend an hour praising United's performances and then predict a United win at the end of the podcast. I was, so. was going to say like then predict a draw or whatever because it's, it's no. I, I think United will beat Watford. Actually, it's the game on Sunday, which might be a tough yeah. one because. Uh, you know, aware that Hawthorns and and uh, West Brom just having beaten Stoke uh, are playing a little better. They are. Berahino returned to the side. Uh, I don't know what on earth Pulis was playing at, really. Just classic Pulis, isn't it? No, sorry. You seem to be a bit individualistic and have some talent. Not interested. I want a large gentleman up front, if possible. Um, lots of West Brom fans kind of unhappy about Pulis, really, because... You would be, wouldn't you? It's, it's like it's kind of what happened to Stoke fans. They were all like fine with him being there for ages, and then at, at some point, it's like, all right, so we're in the Premier League, but what is the point when there's literally no joy involved? Well, quite. I think Pulis is out of contract in the summer, isn't he? So, you know, I wonder yeah. whether he'll uh, he'll still be around. So, I mean, West Brom aren't going to go down. They're good enough. They've got sort of nine points above the the relegation zone, and and it's just madness not to have Berahino in the side. Uh, look, um, it's hard to say quite how good he is. Is he as sort of Kane Vardy level? Maybe, maybe. But uh, he he's got a very good goal for West Brom at the weekend, and an absolutely magnificent curling shot he hit first time with his instep that caught corner of crossbar and post. He's definitely got some talent. Uh, and to keep him out of the side is pretty mental. Then again, he had a bit of a rant on Twitter, didn't he? Which probably didn't help him much. He did. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's definitely, that's, well, I say definitely. You, one would assume that that's why he's not been in the side for that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, you think, I would think he'd be in the side against United. Uh, last season, the two all draw was at that game in the Hawthorns 
in the home end. Daily Blint scored a dramatic late equaliser. It was a real sit-on-your-hands job watching as the away end were going absolutely ballistic. Um, that was part of the general stuttering Van Gaal uh, performance. So West Brom have been extremely erratic this season. So predicting what kind of West Brom turns up is really difficult. A reuniting with uh, Darren Fletcher and John O'Shea, um, Johnny Evans, of course. You daft racist. You can't tell these Irish guys <laughs> apart, can you? And Anders Lindegaard, who made an amazing save this weekend. Well, look, they're two big games for United to keep up the momentum. Three wins in a row. Really should be five wins in a row after these two games. And leading... It's not going to be, though, is no, it? No, but it leads into like a mega period. Away at Liverpool, home to West Ham in the Cup, home to Liverpool in the Europa League, away to Manchester City, home to Everton, away to Tottenham. I mean, that's some run of games coming up. If we win all those games, Van Gaal can keep his job. Is that a promise? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm LVG in if we win all those games. It doesn't Listen, it doesn't take much for me to sway back to LVG in because the man's, I don't know, I, I'm just so disappointed by how it's gone. Under him, the, the the promise of it going right under him is just glorious. So I'm 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 a fickle so and so when it comes to that sort of thing. But of course, realistically, he's left it all too late. He's made too many mistakes. Too many of his successes have been by default. But really, how many managers would have chucked in as many kids as he has? And and this whole thing is like. You can see it uber cynically as a distraction from how bad United have got. It's like, oh, well, we'll give the fans some local players to appease them sort of thing. But but it genuinely is the heart of United's identity as an institution. And I don't mean the club, which has become an institution devoid of an identity, but I mean the shared experience of the fans, right? Our our The bit of it that's still our club, which is a, only a theoretical concept because the it's it's not actually our club, it's the Glazers now, you know. But the bit of it that's ours, we care about these kids that grew up around the corner from Old Trafford scoring two goals on their debut when they're not even supposed to be in the first team, but the, the star striker that's been imported from abroad gets injured in the warm-up, you know. It's just a dream. Yeah, it's it's uh, Roy the Rover stuff and, and, uh, and, and it's special because... We'd all like to have done that, right? Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I, I'm surprised Woodward hasn't found a sponsor yet. Youth players brought to you by the BBC. Uh, yeah, it's it's huge. It's um, it's a lovely thing. It's been a lovely week of watching Man United, and there's not been too many of those lately. So let's hope the week ahead is going to be one of those. Uh, what are your actual score predictions for these games? So I think United will win two nil against Watford. And it will be one all at the Hawthorns. I think it's going to be a two-one at the uh, at Old Trafford, and I'm going to go with another another two-one, two-one in both games to United. Wow, five wins on the trot, says Paul. Because because it's five wins on the trot, but two of those are against Shrewsbury and Mitchelland, so they don't really count. No, very true. Uh, one thing that happened uh, in our absence: a new FIFA president has been elected in. Uh, it's that dude who takes the balls out of a big pot during the Champions League draw. Do you think people just voted for him because they recognised him? <laughs> yeah, it's the ball chap. Well, wasn't he a referee once? It's like Donald Trump in America. The only reason anyone's voting for him is because they've heard of him before. Yeah, will it make a difference? Probably not. I, I don't know. Like The guy that he was running against, I don't know much about this. This is all just taken verbatim from the Guardian Football Podcast. But the guy that he was running against, the main guy, seemed like a super shady character. So maybe it's better that the less... Super shady character one. So you've got Platini's right-hand man who uh, whose speech was entirely about how much money he'd give all the confederations. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, good sales pitch there. You've got Prince Ali, who seems like a genuinely nice bloke. You've got the guy whose family brutally suppressed an uprising in Bahrain. That, that's the guy yeah. that I was And you've got a dude of, yeah. called Tokyo Sex Whale. He's not called... Sex Whale. Sex yeah. Um, who gave... Without doubt, the best speech. I don't know whether you've seen this, but it was hilarious. And then... What did he say? Oh, he was, he was just a run of gags, basically. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I'm no, going to watch no. that. <laughs> it was like a stand-up routine for, for 10 minutes or so. And then uh, with his last, uh, last line of his speech, he said, um, uh, and I'm not going to continue anymore. It's your problem now. See ya. 
<laughs> mic drop. <laughs> mic drop. Is he like, what's the deal with FIFA? <laughs> Why? Hey, you walk into the building, they give you a bag of money. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Um, much like United over the last week. Let's hope it continues, eh? Yeah, let's. Uh, elsewhere in the world of football, Tottenham and Leicester both won this weekend, which is sort of hilarious. Tottenham might win the league. I like. It was funny to think that Leicester would win the league instead of Arsenal. It's out downright hilarious to think that Tottenham would win the league before Arsenal. That is that is an absolutely magical prospect. Just how nuclear would Piers Morgan go? I, I think he might actually combust, which would be quite entertaining. I worry about the lads from Arsenal Fan TV. I mean, I just worry about the lads from Arsenal Fan TV in general, but I'm not sure how well they how they would be able to take that. The the other thing that happened was Man City won some trophy, but that doesn't count because they just bought their way to success. So they're not nine trophies in their first 130 years, five since they were they were refounded, the rebirth of City, and and none of them actually count. Financial doping, but the problem with that line of argument is it means that Liverpool are the League Cup champions. I'm not having that. Yeah, never like that chap Klopp. Anyway, look, we've got a couple of good games to look forward to: Watford and then West Brom. And then a really brutal run of fixtures. So let's enjoy it while it's while it's good. Uh, well done, Marcus Rashford. Uh, I I'm pretty sure I remember when he asked me to give him a shout out when he was about 14. <laughs> oh wow! So, so just re- just remember me, Marcus. You know when when you when it comes to like doling out the millions you're about to make. Where did he ask you to give him a shout out? In what format? Uh, on Twitter or the blog? I can't remember now. That along with uh, with a whole bunch of others. That is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, indeed. So the kid that asked you for a shout shout out is now has now scored a brace at Old Trafford twice. <laughs> and I do wonder where my life has gone wrong. But it's it is <laughs> enjoying you... it's fun watching it anyway. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking about this actually, sorry, I know we're trying to wrap the show up, but um I put a tweet about this that I always thought growing up that it would be sort of upsetting for a kid half your age to score a goal at Old Trafford. And you'd think, you know, that that would somehow make you feel really old or whatever and, and it wouldn't be a nice feeling. But actually what's happened now that that's really happened is he just feels super like paternal and happy about it. It's just like lovely seeing these kids all happy and, and the passage of the generations and the circle of time and all that kind of stuff. It was just really nice. Very good. He's also less than half your age. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, true. Un- undeniable true. And quite a lot less than half your age. This is true. I am very old, but uh, hey, that is the passage of time. And uh, and it's time we wrapped up this podcast. So uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. In the meantime, catch me at United Rant on Twitter, Paul at UTD Rantcast. We are facebook.com forward slash United Rant. Uh, you can leave us a review in iTunes. We haven't uh, like begged or asked you to do that for a while, but it helps other people who like listening to podcasts find it. So go do that and um, and uh, uh, we'll be very grateful for it. Yeah. And also watch Paul's House on YouTube. Thanks. OK, bye.